There is an old country western song uh, by Jody Messina, and the title of it is Heads Carolina, no, Heads California, Tails Carolina. So let me read you a couple of the, the stanzas here, and we're going to unpack this a little bit. But uh, in the song she writes, she said, we can load what we own in the back of a U-Haul van. How many of y'all have ever moved and you've been packing it up in a U-Haul van? We, Mark and I have been there more times than I'd like to count. She says, we're like a couple of modern-day Moseses searching for the promised land. They've packed all their stuff in their U-Haul. They're like a couple of modern-day Moseses. And she said, we can go four miles before we stop for gas and she says and this is the key line she says hey we'll drive for a day and then we'll take a look at the map I don't know about y'all before Mark and I head out on a trip I've got the map have I got any other map people in here so as she goes on we're gonna find out why they can drive all day before they even look at the map she says heads Carolina tails California Somewhere greener, Carolina. Mark and I were actually in North Carolina yesterday at a wedding. It was beautiful. It was green. She goes, you know, we could, we could go somewhere greener, like Carolina. She said we could go somewhere warmer, like California. We could go up to the mountains. Uh, we could go down by the ocean. And then, then here's the, the insightful line. And she says, where don't matter long as we're going somewhere together. I got a quarter, heads Carolina tales California the reason it doesn't matter now how many of y'all so for all of my planners in here I, and I am one of those did y'all just like get the hives it's just like how in the world can you get in your u-haul and you know I don't know where let's let's just are we going are we going to the east coast we're we going well no uh, that would just totally freak me out uh, but how many of my free spirits in here you're like you know that sounds really I'd love to do that just kind of pack it all up in the u-haul take off wherever the wind blows have I got any free spirits in here I see some free spirits that that is your jam okay so here's the thing for this couple it didn't matter heads to, heads Carolina tails California they just wanted to be together and the destination didn't matter just as long as they were together and so it worked for them in this song but here's the question and here's the thing I want y'all to think about and this really sets up our sermon series for the next several weeks here this fall we're kicking off a new sermon series and the title of it is intentionally intentional and and kind of the idea in this sermon series is yes we don't have to be intentional about saying hey I want to make sure I know where I'm going I want to know where my destination is if the destination doesn't really matter but if the destination matters if the end is important if you want to end in a particular place or in a particular you know way of being if you will then the decisions that we make today at the beginning of the journey make a significant difference one illustration to kind of help you get kind of wrap your head around this idea of being intentionally intentional is that imagine if you were a pilot and you were leaving New York and you had plans to take your wife on a special uh, 
Valentine's, you know, romantic weekend, and y'all were going to Paris, France. Let's just throw that out there. You made the plans, everything. Well, if you, the pilot, apparently, I, not that I've ever piloted a plane, but apparently if you were off just a few degrees in your direction, when you leave New York, it's not that big of a deal. But as you continue mile after mile after mile, and as you go over the ocean, you could end up in the Congo. Now, the Congo is not necessarily a bad place, and especially if you're going on a mission trip and there's many wonderful people there, but that wasn't what you had planned. But the important thing is your direction to be intentional at the beginning is going to so impact the end of the road. So right now, uh, this week, next week, uh, Bibb County, uh, also Monroe County, our schools are starting. How many of you are either a student a parent of a student, you're an educator, or you're somehow connected to the school system. How many have we got? And that means like preschool. Okay, so many of us uh, are connected to kind of the rhythm of the academic calendar. And I think for me, even though I don't have little children anymore, um, I still feel this rhythm. You know, summer is getting over. And, and so tell me if y'all know what this is like. It's like at the start of the new school year, kind of this summer's over, it feels as if my calendar is fairly open. Would y'all agree with that? Sometimes some of you, but yes, you got it. There's some things that you have to do. You have to go to school. You have to do your homework. You have to, you know, you've got your have tos. But then after that, it's really up to you as to start what you start putting into your your week, your day, your plan. And so, kind of what this idea, this uh, this whole thing is at the beginning here. We want to be intentionally intention intentional. No, intentionally intentional. And I don't know if y'all can see the graphic here in your bulletins, and I don't know if we can put, yeah, you've got it right there. Okay, so let me just let you see how we've got these lines, and so you've got squiggles, and then, and then what I love are these that go off to the far right where they just totally miss the mark. But our goal is, is to think about kind of what are those things that are important that we want to make sure that we don't mess up this year. And you see that they have all those lines converge and go straight up, and we're going to be intentionally intentional. All right, so with that, if I can have my first slide up here. So the big idea for today is this, is at the start of a new school year or any season of life, this often means new schedules, new rhythms, new routines. And here's the question I want us to ponder. How will you protect your heart and your mind from the tyranny of hurry before the year even begins? So the big question is, how will you protect your heart and your mind from the tyranny of hurry before the year even begins. Uh, several of us have been reading a book together in a Tuesday night small group that I'm in. I think Mark might have quoted this a couple of weeks ago, but the title of the book is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And one of the things that the author says in here that was so insightful to me, the, the reason this is so important, you know, how do, we, how do we try to unhurry our lives? How do we do that before we even begin? Is he says that hurry and kind of that, that frenzied feeling that we get, the mind is racing, we've got too much going on. And this is what's so important. He said, it is the enemy of spirituality. So we think about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And when we are living in a hurried, frantic pace, it is hard to be patient. It is hard to be joyful. It is hard to be kind. It is hard to live into who Christ has called us to be. So with all that, I want to lift up a spiritual principle that I think could be a game changer uh, as we start out our year. And, and what it is, it might surprise you, but hang on. Uh, stick with me. We're going to walk through some 
some Old Testament and some New Testament scriptures as I kind of unpack this spiritual principle. And then we're going to talk about how can we apply this, whether you're in the sixth grade or whether you're 60 years old, no matter where your station in life is, what might this look like if we lived it out in our lives today? All right, so y'all paying attention? All right, the word is, <clears throat> the principle is, it is Sabbath. It is Sabbath. How many of y'all ever heard that word? Y'all got it? Sabbath. We think about Sunday being our Sabbath. The, Sab the word Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word. It means Sabbat. And it has two primary meanings. And I want you to think about these as kind of two sides of the same coin. All right? The first is it basically means to stop. To stop. The second thing is, is that it means to, and this is what I think we miss sometimes, it means to delight. It is to stop, and it is to delight. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I think about Sabbath, I think about being, you know, maybe 12 years old in Thaxton, Mississippi, visiting my grandmother, and what I remember was that we would get up, we would go to church, we would do the big family lunch afterwards, but then we couldn't do anything. Do y'all, I mean, y'all, probably nobody knows what that's like. This was back, you know, Mississippi back in the day, but it was like the whole world shut down, but for a 12-year-old, it had to be one of the most painfully boring days of the week. I didn't have a lot of delight, but there was a lot of stopping. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, so what I want us to do is kind of unpack this and say, okay, something might, I mean, there was some good there. There was something that was true, but, but what does this look like, you know, in August of 2021 in Macon, Georgia, no matter where you are in your life and your life journey? All right, so let's go to the very beginning. Let's see the first time this whole idea is, is you know, brought about. Genesis 2, 1 through 3. So now what's happened in Genesis 1? God has created the heavens and the earth. He's created the stars and the moon. And he's created the animals and the sea creatures. And he's created humanity. And he has blessed it. And he said, it is good. He told the animals and the sea creatures. He said, he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. He created humanity. And he said, he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And then the culmination is right here. It says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed and on the seventh day God had finished his work of creation and so he rested from all his work and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So here we see the God of the universe who's created the heavens and the earth humanity, the sea creatures, everything, we see that he works for seven days and then he takes this one day to rest and it says that also that he declares this day holy. He declares it holy. So here's what I want to submit to you is that woven into the DNA of creation, woven into the very DNA of creation. And again, I don't care, you know, whether you are a stay-at-home mom and you've got a newborn and you've got a four-year-old and you're not getting any sleep or whether you are retired, uh, no matter what you're, maybe you're someone who you are working two jobs, you've got your main job and then you've got a side hustle because you've got to make ends meet. I want to submit to you that, that woven into the DNA of all creation is this need, this desire to have a day, to have a a period of time, not necessarily Sunday, it could be, but where we stop and we rest, and there is a holiness to that rest. 
So moving along in the Old Testament, uh, Moses picks up on this. So we, we move through the book of Genesis. Uh, we see that the people of God, um, they are actually held in captivity in Egypt uh, where they are slaves. Uh, we see Moses deliver them. Y'all know the story. They're out in the wilderness. And then God gives his people the Ten Commandments. He makes his covenant. He tells them important things like don't steal, don't lie, don't covet, uh, no idols. Y'all are familiar with all of those. And then what's so interesting to me is right beside don't kill don't steal you know all of these bad things he says and here's what I also want you to do verse Exodus 20 verse 8 he says remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy they've been in slavery they've been in Egypt where there was no work week, there was no day off, there was no, uh, you know, 40 hours and then you have to pay overtime. They were literally slaves. They had no idea what rest was. But he says, remember to observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy. And he says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. And this includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and your female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. Six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth. He's like, if I can do it, you can too. And he said, and everything in them, but on the seventh day, he rested. And this is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. And he set it apart as holy. So he goes back to creation. He's trying to say it is built within the DNA of all of creation. And, and to me, it is, it is this beautiful gift where he said, you have been slaves in Egypt. You have been slaves where you have been forced to labor seven days, you know, where there was no break. And he says, I command you to take a day off. I command you to rest. Now, that's a beautiful gift, isn't it? It's like, I will take that day off. You know, I will. Okay, that means I'm going to have a day where I am not answering text messages. I am not responding to emails. I am trying to just protect that day. And he says, protect that day. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, well, that's great. You know, that, that's great. They were the people of God. They're going through the wilderness. They got manna. They got quail. They got, you know, everything's kind of spoon-fed to them. But, but, friend, you don't understand. I've got, I mean, my, my job doesn't allow me to do that. Or I'm a student, and so there are times when I've got a big paper. and they're, they're, So we all have our excuses. And, I, and just to come clean, actually, y'all, this week was an extremely busy week here at the office at the church. Um, just had, you know, different things that needed to be done. Mark and I had a wedding to go to in North Carolina yesterday, as I mentioned, and so this was a week that I didn't get my Sabbath. I did not really take my day off, and I'm like, okay, I'm about to be the hugest hypocrite in the world as I stand up here, and, and it was like it was so hard to dig into these scriptures, and it was like, ugh, but you know, this was the week. I really didn't take a day off. So with that, I just, you know, share that with you that I am in process in this journey as well. But I think that it's a part of just who God's called us to be is to, is to try to endeavor to have that space where we stop and we rest, where there is this rhythm of work and rest. So how did the, the Israelites, how did that Old Testament community, how did they understand this command? 
Here's where I think they got it wrong. Um, I think maybe this is where, maybe, anyway, I don't want to call I, I think there's a place where we get this wrong, but I think our modern world has a place where we get it wrong as well. So for the Old Testament community, and we see Jesus bumping up against this, it became a law. In other words, 24 hours, sun goes down, I got to rest, we can't do anything. Um, in fact, in the book of Nehemiah, y'all, this is so incredibly crazy, and as I read this, I thought, I don't know that God's a part of this. I, I don't know. This is just my commentary, but but Nehemiah is the one who, after the, um, the, the Israelites had been held in captivity in Babylon, so they go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and rebuild the wall. Nehemiah is the governor, and Nehemiah discovers that the people are not keeping the Sabbath. They are buying and selling and trading. Do you know what he does? He basically, uh, he commands uh, soldiers to, to stand there at the city walls. Uh, he locks the gates at sun. He commands that they be locked at sundown on Friday. That's when their Sabbath began and not opened up until, you know, the next day. And then he says, and he yells at them. He yells at them. He like, Rah! you know, I can't believe you're not keeping the Sabbath. And I'm going to lock the gates. And then he goes, anybody violates it, you are going to jail. I am going to. So now let me ask you this. That doesn't create any delight and desire. In my, does that to y'all? It's like, Oh my gosh, that's that's horrible. Well, I mean, and I know his his heart was in a good place, but but I think that legalistic, uh, you know, we've we've got to like it starts at sundown and blah blah. blah. I, I think somehow that misses the heart behind the whole idea of Sabbath, rest, stop, and delight. Jesus picks up on this idea in Mark 2:27, and so the Pharisees are, are upset with Jesus because he is, he's doing things on the Sabbath. He is traveling with his disciples. Uh, he is healing the sick. He is pouring into his disciples. He is, uh, they're picking grain in a grain field, and they're like, you know, the rule says you can't do any of this. And, and I feel like he kind of leans in and he says, oh, y'all have missed it. You missed the whole idea behind this. Let me tell you what the secret is. The secret about Sabbath is that Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. Sabbath was to be a gift to you, a gift where you could, a day that you could rest, that you could stop, that you could delight that you could worship. It's never meant to be a rule by which you get arrested and yelled at if you don't obey it. It is this beautiful gift. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. I think we capture more of the spirit of what I'm talking about. Rather than being this legalistic, you know, it's Sunday, we can't do this, or I've got to make, it, this is the spirit of it. If y'all if y'all can catch this, I think this is the heart of what he's talking about here. Jesus said, come to me, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I think this is the heart of the whole idea of Sabbath. And so when we watch Jesus, you know, Jesus is the one we follow. Jesus is the one that kind of models for us what it looks like. We see this rest, we see this rhythm of busyness and activity, and we see this rhythm of pulling away. We see a rhythm of busyness and activity, and then a time of pulling away where there is rest and delight, but it is coming unto 
our Father, coming unto God. And I, I, I liked, in, in this book that I had mentioned, I want to read a quote to you, because I think that as, as Westerners, you know, for many of us, like at my age, I mean, the other day I was talking to a group of ladies who were, um, who were retired, and I said, well, tell me what your Sabbath looked like. And they said, well, well, we're retired. Every day looks like a Sabbath, <laughs> you know, to us. We're, we're living the life. Um, Eugene Peterson, I thought, had a good insight on this. And, and the idea is, I think, as, as Americans, as Westerners, we kind of love a day off. Um, I think about all the ads where, you know, you're there in the, the comfy sheets and you've got the cute pajamas on and you're making pancakes. And it's like, yeah, we kind of long for that type of rest. Eugene Peterson says it this way, and there is a, a word that might be considered profane, but not in the context here, but since he is the person who translated the, um, the message translation, I'm just going to go with it here. But anyway, Eugene Peterson has a name for our day off. He called it a bastard Sabbath. It is the illegitimate child of the seventh day in Western culture. On a day off, you don't work for your employer in theory, but you still work. You run errands, you catch up around your house or apartment, you pay the bills, you make an Ikea run, well there goes four hours, and you play, you see a movie, you kick the soccer ball with friends, you go shopping, you cycle through the city, and that's great stuff, all of it. I love my day off, but those activities don't make a Sabbath. Sabbath has the twin idea of rest and worship. Rest and delight. Now, in your mind, I, I, if I wish I could just sit here and have conversations with every single one of you, because I would imagine that now you're kind of going through your head and you're thinking, well, I don't know when I would have a 24-hour period that I could literally stop and rest and delight. Or that sounds, I don't, I don't know what that would look like. What does that mean to delight, to rest, to worship? Um, here's the thing. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it looks like for you. That's something for you to think about and for you to figure out and for you to seek the Lord, depending on your season and your lifestyle and also your temperament. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day who was sitting right up here on the front row, and it was she was going to take a day off. She had been working really hard, and she said, I need a day to take off. And so she spent it with other people uh, gardening, uh, doing, doing some stuff with someone who's got these beautiful flowers in her home. And I said, that sounds to me like the most horrible day off in the whole world. <laughs> I said, if I had a day off, you know, when I'm, when I'm really so weary, tired, I don't want to go be with people. I want to like sit in my house. I want to close the doors. I want to sit in silence. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to read a really good book that kind of causes me to reflect. And I mean, I need silence. But you know what? God wired us differently. That's what I need to restore my soul spiritually. She needed nature and close friends uh, to, to restore her soul spiritually. So what will it look like? I don't know because if you are in the in school, if you're in middle school, it's going to look different. But here's the thing I want you to just invite you to do. What would it look like if it's every week, every week, I set aside some time? It might not be 24 hours. It might be that I set aside an hour. It might be that I set aside a half a day to do things that, that connect me to God, connect me spiritually, and help me to, to rest my soul. For some, it might be, you know, coming to youth on Sunday night. It's coming to worship on Sunday mornings. It might be taking that afternoon nap on Sunday afternoon. I don't know what it is, but it is to set aside this place that's consecrated, that's holy, where we rest and delight. And we just say, you know what? 
I'm not, I'm not here to save the world. I'm not here to control everything. This is a day I just give it to you, Lord, a period of my week where, where I say this is yours. I love this quote from Walter Brueggemann. He says, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. People who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. And it's this idea that it kind of orients us. It sets our face. It sets our heart towards the Lord. I really believe that as we think about this new year, that one of the ways that we can protect our hearts, one of the ways that we can protect our minds from the tyranny of hurry before the year even begins is to pull out that calendar and to say every week, where will I find space and time to delight, to worship, to stop, that my soul, that I might receive this precious gift from Jesus to, to connect with him, to come to him. And I believe it'll make a difference in the rest of our, our, our school year, really, kind of this fall. So I want to leave you with these couple of questions. And one is, what would it look like for you? Again, you know, I, I see somebody here. I know you're in grad school. I'm just looking out here. I know y'all are in a bazillion different life stages. Um, what would it look like in your world in this season to build into the rhythm of your week space to stop and space to delight, to build into the rhythm of your week a time to come to Jesus and to find rest for your soul? How might this one spiritual discipline protect your heart and mind from the tyranny of hurry even before the fall really gets out of the gate? How might we be intentionally intentional to unhurry our lives that we might live in love and joy and peace? Uh, how might our families be different? How might your marriages be different? How might your, your classroom be different if you're a school teacher? Uh, how might your business be run differently if you are a small business owner? Um, so think about this. How might, we, um, how might our, our inner world be different if we choose to unhurry our lives by setting aside time for Sabbath? Let's go to the Lord in prayer.